if you join with me to the second Bible reading, if you open up your scriptures to John chapter 20 and we'll start at verse 19 and finish at verse 31. All right. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed him his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and received and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also called Didymus, have I said that right? One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nails, marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There ends the reading. Thank you, uh, Trish, for reading God's word to us this morning. And to parents as well, if you, uh, we may not have any staff on, on duty at the creche, but if you do want to use the facilities and uh, the blue room, uh, because it, it's hard, I understand as a parent myself, to keep children and to keep them focused as well. So if you do want to use the facility, uh, please feel free to do that as well. All right. Um, well, friends. Christ is risen. Wonderful. All right. Well, this morning, I took my dog out for a walk. The poor dog, I think he thought, what's wrong with my master today? I took him out about quarter past six. It was pretty, it was dark, uh, a bit cold, and the dog probably thinking, what's going on with Chris? Anyway, we went for a walk, and as I was walking, I kind of reflected upon That first Easter, the dawn of Easter, and as the day was breaking and I looked out and saw the sky and so forth and what we could see as well as it was dark, but I thought to myself, what a morning that must have been. What a great and wonderful morning that must have been 
when Christ rose from the dead and appeared to those women. And now Jesus greeted Mary and said, Mary, called her by name and showed himself. What a glorious morning. And I was so moved by that this morning that I thought, wow, what a great Savior we worship. What a great honor to know this living Jesus on that first Easter morning. Well, friends, let's come to God in prayer as we look at his word today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. Thank you that it is Easter we celebrate today. The glorious, amazing resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who conquered the grave, who conquered death itself, conquered sin, and crushed Satan. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that your Spirit will speak to our hearts and encourage us this morning, that we will go out of this place confessing Jesus as my Lord and my God. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, today I want to speak to you on this topic, doubting the resurrection of Jesus, with a question mark. I'm sure that from time to time we have doubts, don't we? Uh, we doubt ourselves. We doubt whether our kids will do a particular course or not. Uh, we doubt how well we will go on with life. And doubts become very much part and parcel of our lives. And what about doubts in terms of our faith? What about when it comes to doubting the important aspects of the Christian gospel? How do we deal with doubts? What happens when we go through a particular crisis of faith? When our very faith is being tested and we doubt the goodness of our God? There are moments, perhaps in our own lives... When we look back, or perhaps you're going through a particular crisis and you think, God, can I actually trust you? Where are you in my struggles? Can I actually believe in you? Can I actually trust you, God? Can I actually trust your word? How do I know that you are God? Why should I put my faith in you? How could I trust you? Well, they are significant questions. And so this morning, the question is, are you doubting the resurrection of Jesus? Well, in John chapter 20, our text here this morning is uh, just a few verses here from 24 to 29. John chapter 20, 24 to 29. But let me give you a context here. In John chapter 20, we have the record of the appearance of the risen Jesus. Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene. John chapter 20, we have it here. He appears to all the disciples at once. And three days after Jesus was placed in the grave on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and a group of women went to the tomb. And as they approached, they saw that the giant stone that had been rolled away has been rolled away. And Mary Magdalene immediately ran to let Peter know. And we see that in the scriptures. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. The one whom Jesus loved, and this is John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And while Mary Magdalene was away, the other women took a closer look. The grave was open. The grave clothes lay there, still together and intact, but empty. The body was gone, 
They stood there baffled for several moments until they realized that two angels appeared behind them. One sat on the stone while the other stood nearby. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. And so they rushed from the empty tomb and they encountered someone who calmed their fears. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so when the women told what had happened to the disciples, the disciples kind of dismissed their story. Meanwhile, Mary Magdalene found Peter and John. At first, they too dismissed their story. And John eventually stopped at the entrance and looked inside. Peter ran straight into the tomb and was shocked by what he saw. John and Peter inside the tomb. And perhaps I think John would have whispered, Jesus is alive. And so this morning in our passage, that's the immediate and broader context of the resurrection. We're going to look at this text under three uh, points this morning. The demands of Thomas, the compassion of Jesus, and the personal confession. The demands of Thomas, the compassion of Jesus, and the personal confessions. If you have your Bibles open to that passage, that would be great. The demands of Thomas. Look at verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus. I think you got that right with that uh, pronunciation. I hope I got it right as well. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Now when did the disciples actually see the Lord? Well, have a look at your Bibles in verses 19 and 20. John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You see, we, we, we see that Jesus appeared on that same evening, the first day of the week, to the disciples. And notice that it is the first day of the week. And so there is now a shift from worship on the Sabbath day to the first day of the week. And that's why we meet on Sundays and not on Saturdays, the first day of the week for worship. Because of the resurrection of Jesus on the first day of the week. Now have a look here in this passage. The doors were locked, the Bible tells us, in the room. They were fearful. Their hopes were dashed. Their master had been crucified. He was dead. They lived in fear, these disciples. They lost all hope and perhaps dejected and down. But they were in for a surprise. Just imagine that surprise. Locked, huddled in a room, fearful of the Jews, frightened, desperate, hopeless, they had followed Jesus, they had given up their business, left their families, came and took up the cross, went with Jesus. The master is dead. 
All hope is gone. But guess who turns up, friends? Have a guess who turns up? Jesus. He appeared to the disciples. Not all twelve were there because Judas Iscariot had already committed suicide after betraying Jesus. And Thomas was not there. Now, one raises the question this morning, how did he get into the room? How did Jesus get into this room? You see, he did not knock on the door. He did not have a key to open the door. We see simply, the Bible tells us, that he was there. And he wasn't a ghost. Now, some say this, okay, some say that he may have come through the roof. It doesn't make sense, alright? Others say that he must have somehow been let into the room. And others say this, that he got into the room before the door was actually locked. Now, can that be? What we see here is two miracles. Okay? Where is it? Two miracles here. One, certainly, the resurrected Jesus is there. Secondly, there's another miracle here, and that is that Jesus walks through a locked room. And so the disciples saw Jesus. And imagine if you and I were in that room and Jesus, who was crucified, dead and buried, came into the room. I just thought, what would it have been like if one of us was in that room? Would you run away? Would you be so fearful thinking, man, a ghost has come here. Let me disappear from this room. What would we do? See, Jesus greeted them and he said, peace. The Hebrew word corresponding to this word peace is the word, I'm sure you know, shalom. And the word shalom means wholesomeness, complete peace. This is God's peace that he gives. And this is Jesus who spoke about peace. If you look through the Gospels, he spoke about himself as being the peace. And here now he comes and he greets them and he says, Peace be with you. Friends, what a tremendous thing that is. This is God in the flesh who is now saying, I am giving you my peace. This is not just peace that keeps us comfortable when life is going tough and difficult. Although that is true as well. This is a peace with God. And so when we see this word peace, we need to see this in the context of Jesus' redeeming work. Alright? Because when God created Adam and Eve, there was perfect peace. But when they sinned, peace was gone to pieces. And Jesus brings back that peace. And this peace is a peace with God. And he says, now, as the risen Savior, I greet you with peace. My peace. The peace that I have secured for you. The peace that I went through at the cross so that you might have my peace. Not just here, but for eternity. That you might rest in peace. You know, when you go to graveyards and, and cemeteries, you see this word, R-I-P, rest in peace. And I often think, well, what does it actually mean? <laughs> if the person has not known Christ, how could that person rest in peace? What is it? You see, this is the peace that Jesus says here. And so Thomas uh, missed out. He wasn't there. And the disciples said, we have seen the Lord. What a testimony. Here is an eyewitness account. And how should Thomas have responded? What should Thomas have done? 
He should have said, Whoopnay! Wow! Jesus is written as written, I am overjoyed. Instead, Thomas did not. He said to them in verse 25b, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. You see, Thomas wouldn't believe the reports. He doubted what was being said about the resurrection of Jesus. He wanted evidence. Now, what do we know about Thomas? Let me very quickly tell you something about, something about Thomas's some things about Thomas's life. You see, Thomas, according to John chapter 11, verse 16, was also called Didymus, as we read, which means the twin. That means Thomas had a twin. Brother or sister, we don't know. His twin is not mentioned in the Bible. Thomas is mentioned only once in the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. There are no details of him in these Gospels. We learn about Thomas and his character from the Gospel of John. And well, what kind of person was Thomas? You see, Thomas, as a disciple, was a man who saw the glass half empty. <laughs> Do we see things like that as well? Sometimes I'm a bit more pessimistic than Rose. She will say, Chris, you've got to look at the bigger picture, Chris. You've got to be a bit more optimistic in these things. And I'm like, I'm going to work out, uh, if you've got a problem, this is the situation, I need to work out this way, this strategy, this thing, that thing, and everything else. <laughs> right. But, but, but sometimes we can be like this. Like, uh, Thomas was this kind of personality. He saw the glass half empty. He seemed to anticipate the worst. And sometimes we can be like that, isn't it? We can only see the worst possible scenario in life. Others, by nature, are optimistic. And in their outlook of life, they see everything going, Wow, honky dory, this is great. I don't see any problems here. I'm, I'm sailing in life. When Jesus now invited the twelve to come to him to Bethany, where he planned to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead, Thomas was not in it either. Instead, he was downcast, and he said this. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Let us go and die with Jesus. Now, what can I say about Thomas? You see, Thomas, we might say, Thomas actually loved his Lord. He was devoted to Jesus. Yes, he was pessimistic. How do we know that? Look, for example, in, in John chapter 14, verse 5. You see, Jesus speaks about going to heaven. And Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Because we want to come, we want to die with you. We don't want to be separated with you. And so the picture here of Thomas is one who actually was devoted to Christ. And he would have perhaps felt betrayed and disillusioned that his master has been crucified. And so when the other disciples said that they had seen the Lord, Thomas was perhaps in no mood as a pessimist to receive the good news. And mere words didn't move Thomas. And he said, unless I see, I will not believe. Friends, Thomas had a genuine faith. He loved his Lord. See, the other disciples also had a problem in believing about the resurrection. You see, look at this text in Mark chapter 16. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. 
You see, Jesus, the other disciples had a problem. They were doubting the resurrection as well. Now, what happens next is quite remarkable. Look at our text here in verses 26 to 27. We see the compassion of Jesus. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And this time, who was in there? Have a look at your Bibles. Thomas was with them. Now, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So this is now a week later. And he said to Thomas, Hey, Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. What an amazing thing. You see, Jesus showed compassion. He could have said to Thomas, he could have thought, well, Thomas, come on, Thomas, you've been with me as my disciple. Is this the way you treat me? Don't you know the scriptures? Don't you know what I told you? Couldn't you have understood what I said to you? Why don't you believe me? No, no. Jesus comes and there's compassion here because he cares for the individual. What we see here is the good shepherd. What we see here is the caring shepherd. And he comes gently to Thomas and he says to Thomas, have a look Thomas, see the evidence. Now, how did Jesus know that Thomas uh, was going through these questions? Did the other disciples tell him that? I don't think so. Perhaps they did. But let me say this, friends. The Lord knows each of our hearts today. Right? There is nothing that we can hide from him. Jesus knew the heart of Thomas. Why? Because he is omniscient. That is, he is all knowing. There is nothing in this heart that the Lord does not know. You see, we might try to hide things from people. We might try to even hide things from God, thinking, He doesn't know. Does He not? He does. And He comes to Thomas. And He says, Thomas, I want to show you the evidence. The demands of Thomas are met with the commands of Christ. Let me quickly say this. Thomas says this, Unless I see in his hands and mark and the mark of the nails in his hands, I will not believe. Jesus says, see my hands. And put my finger into the place of the nails. Jesus says, bring your finger here. The third one. And put my hand into his side. And Jesus says, and bring your hand and put it into my side. The fourth one, I definitely will not believe. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. Four demands, four responsive commands of Jesus. Friends, this morning, the evidence is here. Thomas loved his Lord. He was genuinely devoted to him. But he had difficulties handling the resurrection. Jesus meets him. Shows him. And he's not a ghost. It's the bodily resurrection of Jesus. How's that? (laughs) And then we have this Straightforward command by Jesus. Stop doubting and believe. And then we move to the personal confession here. It's a beautiful confession. Thomas said to him, verse 28, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You see, at our Wednesday night growth group just last week, uh, I was kind of told this by the Wednesday night growth group. They said to me, Chris, you always talk about your Friday growth group. Do you forget us? 
Uh, I don't actually. <laughs> anyway, on Wednesday night in our growth group, we discussed the Trinity. And we discussed the deity of Jesus and how the Jehovah's Witnesses deny that Jesus is God. Well, what do we see in this confession this morning? We see Thomas confessing Jesus is God. And we shouldn't miss that point this morning. He sees the risen Jesus who stood before him as the same Jesus before the resurrection. As we saw earlier, Thomas was with Jesus when our Lord said that he was going to prepare a place for his people. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John chapter 14. And then Philip came up with this statement. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you uh, such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say she was the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And so Thomas confesses that Jesus is God. Think about that. The Word incarnate is now the Word who died on the cross. And the Word Jesus down the cross as his son is now the risen, conquering king, God in the flesh, the incarnate, risen saviour. What a joy that is. This is God in the flesh. This God-man Jesus died as our substitute and now lives. He dies our death and lives so that we may live. What a glorious confession a tremendously comforting one, friends. You know, we read 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, and I have no time to unpack all of that in 1 Corinthians 15, but it's a tremendous passage. And Paul argues about the resurrection. And he says, how come some of you are saying that there is no resurrection? Because if you don't believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, your faith is futile. But indeed, Christ has been raised. And Paul goes on. And he says, because of the resurrection, there is something more significant that's going to happen. And you know what? You know what that is? You know when we die? You know, uh, Dawn was playing this morning that lovely hymn, Jesu, Joy of My... Right? I, I heard that being played there. And I said to Rose, I said to, I said to, my, uh, to some of the elders there and John, you know, you know that I would love, love that to be played at my funeral. I would love for that to be played at my funeral. Because we don't know, do we, what will happen to us. But you know something? Because Christ has been raised from the dead, when we die, there is such a thing as life after death. Okay? The world will say there is no such thing as that. But God's word tells us that. I believe this word as opposed to the world. And the word says to us, God's word, that the soul will live. And this soul that lives in Christ will one day, because of the resurrection of Jesus, 
when we die, our body is committed to the ground, or cremated, or whatever may happen to the body. The soul, if you believe in Christ, goes to be with the Lord. And when Christ returns, because of that glorious resurrection, and Paul speaks about that the imperishable and the perishable, the immortal and the mortal, and everything else in 1 Corinthians 15, because of the resurrection, this soul, this soul will be reunited with this body, and we will receive a new body, a glorious body, a wonderful body that will have no arthritis, no more pains, no more back pains, no more cancer, no more nothing. And that is the glory and the wonder of the resurrection. And so Jesus has risen and he has conquered the grave. And Paul says, where that is your sting? It's not there. Because when you die in Christ, you will live with Him forever. What a glorious message that is. And so Thomas says, My Lord and my God. And, and Jesus says, You know Thomas, you've seen me and you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Blessed are they. You know, to be blessed means to be looked upon by God in favor. And so as we close this morning, friends... How about you this morning? Are you struggling or doubting Jesus today? Are you working through the issues of your faith perhaps? Maybe you're on a journey and you think this Christian thing is, hmm, it's not for me. Maybe this Christian thing is a bit too much. I just want to say this to you. This morning, Christianity is about a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, the risen Son. You may come to church and that will not make you a Christian, correct? <laughs> you might sing in the choir, not that we, have, we don't have one now at the moment, or you might play an instrument or do whatever, but only Christ will make you His child. And so this morning, this morning, Maybe you're going through some doubts. I don't know. But whatever that might be, listen to the words of Jesus who said, Stop doubting and believe. For I have risen. You go back to the facts when you have doubts. Consider the evidence. And the evidence is overwhelming with the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Thomas got it. His life was transformed. Well, friends, this morning, what's your confession? Can you say this morning, when you leave this place, My Lord and my God, my Lord and my God is my precious Savior Jesus. The one who has loved me with an everlasting love. The one who has embraced me with his eternal arms. The one who has sealed me with his Holy Spirit. The one who will take me to heaven. And the one who will give me a new glorious body like his. Because of what Christ has done. What a joy, friends, this morning. I pray today that each and every one of us will behold the majesty and the splendor of our risen Savior Jesus and that the joy of Easter 
will believe in our hearts through the Spirit of God and that we will enjoy indeed all the Easter eggs and celebrate. Just a, that's beside the point. Celebrate and give thanks to God on our knees. Lord, I love you. I thank you. You are an amazing Savior. May we trust Him and say this morning, I want to worship you, my Lord and my God. Do you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to deal with our doubts and come back to the evidence which is so overwhelming that our Savior was raised from the dead, that he appeared to many. And as your word tells us, Lord, that your Savior did, your Son did many things. And this entire gospel is about Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to believe, to stop doubting, and believe in Jesus. Amen.